0: We also lost a couple of uh, prominent figures in the world of sport over the weekend. Uh, both of them uh, significant contributions to their sport. Uh, former Leaf Captain George Armstrong passed away. We're going to talk about that in a couple of seconds. And Hammer and Hank, uh, Hank Aaron, uh, who was the first one to break uh, Babe Ruth's uh, home run record, the first black man is to, play, to break the, the home run barrier. Uh, and uh, there's so many different angles to this. And uh, with the announcement of his passing, uh, Led an outpouring of support and, and, and I, I guess, feelings of, of compassion for him. Uh, some of the greatest players in Atlanta Braves history are saluting uh, the, ha- Hank Aaron's passing, including Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Glavin says that Hank Aaron was unsurpassed on and off the mound.
1: For Braves country, it's a sad day, but um, Hank Aaron's certainly a guy we will all remember and, uh, you know, all um, just fondly remember all the great things he did, not only as a baseball player, but as an ambassador for baseball.
0: We'll still remember that night uh, in Atlanta, of course, when he finally broke the record. By the way, we're not talking about the single season record. We're talking about the, the career record for home runs uh, that he broke. Uh, uh, not without some controversy, too. Joining us to talk about all this is our uh, good friend Scott Radley, uh, host of the Scott Radley Show, which is heard weeknights on CHML at Hamilton, and uh, also, of course, uh, columnist for the Hamilton Spectator. Scott, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for the time today.
1: Thanks, Bill. And great to- a great choice of Tom Glavin, because you'll remember, Fick's dig the long ball. He knows all about home runs. Remember those commercials with Tom yeah. Glavin? And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, and so if you're talking about a guy who knows something about home runs, I, I would guess Tom Glavin gets to be in the mix for sure. And, you know, and Hank Aaron. It, it's, this, this has been a tough weekend already. We're, we're only starting 2021, and we're already uh, losing legends.
0: Well, and your point, uh, point is well taken about this guy being a, a, a legend on and off the field. I mean, you know, even for those that did not see Hank Aaron play, uh, I did see him in his later career, of course, uh, with Atlanta, and, uh, not with Milwaukee, which, uh, you know, was the early part of his career. But we got to know him a lot as an ex baseball player and as an ambassador for Major League Baseball and an ambassador for an awful lot of very charitable causes in the States.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the things that becomes so interesting about these old athletes. Um, who were great when they played and there's a select few of them that are able to not just be great players but for another generation who don't even remember them as players but they think of them as the kindly old uh, conscience of the game in some ways And, and for a lot of people that's what Hank Aaron was he was one of the consciences of the games. he's kind of You know, I I would put him in the category of a Muhammad Ali in a certain sense that way. Not Mm -hmm. everyone saw him fight, but everybody remembered after his fighting and his his role in, in society then. And, you know, we're going to talk about George Armstrong, who falls into that category. And Bill Russell in basketball, for example. There's these guys who just do a phenomenal job of rolling into that new role as one of the people that when there's an issue... And it's a controversial issue or it's an ethical issue or it's a fairness issue or something. They're the ones that people go to and they always seem to have the right thing to say.
0: It's funny you should mention Muhammad Ali because uh, I, I know that uh, Ali said, and of course Muhammad Ali never needed any encouragement to tell everybody how wonderful he was, uh, <laughs> and he and he was, by the way, uh, wonderful in in so many different ways. But he said on many occasions that uh, that the one person that he, he looked up to and emulated was Hank Aaron. You know, for for what he did, uh, not just in sports, but what he did for community, and what he did for well, for black athletes.
1: Sure, and I mean when Hank Aaron was chasing Babe Ruth's record for whole all time home runs i mean it's the story it's not i'm not breaking any news i mean everybody knows the story by now about the abuse that he took and the racist mail that he was getting and a lot of death he got death threats he got death threats and you know what this is there's there's a number of layers to this and you know um when roger maris was chasing babe ruth's home run record he was getting death threats yeah so you know, there is a part of this that people just don't like their heroes to be toppled. But there was the second element with the Hank Aaron one, where the race element had been brought into it. Um, you know, which which obviously exacerbates things and makes things even more challenging for the guy to deal with. And uh, you know, and it, it spurs a. If we had one on on, on the home games. Uh, uh, video that we just put out, uh, Rick Zampern and Steve Milton, Bubba O'Neill, and I had a great talk about this. Is you know Hank, Hank Aaron numerically ended up being number two because Barry Bonds obviously passed him yeah. on the uh, the thing. But who is the true home run king? And and and, and you know the, the debate is, it, it may not sound like there's much there, but you know do you believe that even though Barry Bonds has the most, do you believe that he legitimately did it clean and therefore he has a no. ethical and moral ground to stand on. I don't. Uh, no, full stop, no. Do you we yeah, we that saw that grow. The
0: little Barry Bonds that came into the major leagues with the Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates. Uh, I mean, he was a good hitter. He was a great athlete. Uh, but he grew in front of us i mean he just he bulked up and we could see that and, and we knew darn well that just about everybody associated with him knew that that's one of the magical things about hank aaron breaking the, the record of 715 home runs as it was then uh there was nobody was juicing in those days just, nope. it, no, he did it It was pure athletic ability under great duress an awful lot of the time too i mean it was more than ironic i thought scott that that he broke that record the babe ruth record at his home stadium of atlanta which uh is well known for an awful lot of racial unrest and has been over the years, uh, but they cheered him then because he was one of them. But uh, but th- th- for a black man to do it, bad enough to break that record, but for a black man to do it did not sit well with an awful lot of people.
1: No, and, and, and you know the, the next. And so you talk about Babe Ruth. I mean, is he legitimately the guy who can lay claim to being the home run king? And, and you, 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 the case you would make for him is he he played something like nine hundred fewer games than Hank Aaron, so on a per-game basis, he hit more. And plus, when Babe Ruth came, Babe Ruth basically invented the home run. I mean, nobody was hitting home runs until he came along. And then the third, the other person that you can throw in is, and, and this one sounds crazy, I know, is a guy like Albert Pujols, who's still playing, who's 100 home runs behind, but you say, but wait a second, Barry Bonds and Hank Aaron never really faced all that many relievers and specialists and guys coming in, lefty-righty matchups, throwing 100 miles an hour with sliders and all these other things. And if, if Albert Pujols was playing when Hank Aaron was, how many would he have got? I mean, it, it's a wonderful debate uh, that there is no real right answer for, but, boy, there's a lot of passion when you ask people because people have their guy, and they're not moving off that guy. They believe who they believe, as I've learned, and uh, and they're not going to budge from that position.
0: Well, and you're right. I mean, baseball has has changed uh, so many different ways uh, from the time when Hank Aaron played, and especially when Hank Aaron was was starting to, to take in a, a run at this record. Uh, you're starting pitchers were starting pitchers. I mean, you know, if, if Whitey Ford started for the Yankees, Whitey Ford was expected to finish the game. And if he didn't, well, you know, they'd throw somebody else in, but they didn't have a, quote-unquote, bullpen necessarily, a, a seventh-inning specialist or an eighth-inning specialist or uh, a closer or anything like that. I mean, it, it, you know, it's become an expertise right now. And, th- and you're right, that's a, a debate we could probably have until 6 o'clock tonight and probably not settle it. Uh, but but it, there it is. Thing,
1: Bill, about this, I'll say one thing to defend Hank Aaron, because, I, you know, I'm not trying to say that he's not a guy who, you know, is legitimate there or shouldn't be in the mix. My way of when you talk about athletes from different eras, it's impossible because of this very thing. You can't. It's impossible to compare a Pujols to a Ruth to a, a, a Hank Aaron. The only way you can do it is to compare the athlete versus his people, his, his competitors at his time. Who were yeah. the people that he was competing against, and what did he do? And that's how you. You know, that's how I come to the conclusion that Wayne Gretzky is. You know, I know you would say Bobby Orr, and there's an argument there. But who? How did you do in your time compared to the rest of the field? And if you take that, you know, it is very easy to make the case that Hank Aaron still deserves the crown as baseball's home run king.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that debate will rage on, I suppose. But uh, a great man and uh, and a great athlete. Yeah. I, I got to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, George Armstrong as well. Mm-hmm. Same. same, uh, as, same. As, as as a kid, Scotty, growing up watching the Leafs um and uh, you missed the stanley cup years i guess uh because you're such a young buck but uh i i do remember those and uh and you know for people that have not seen those days if you have access to watching leaf tv with our old well, paul hendricks retired i guess now he made so much money doing leaf tv but our our good friend paul hendrick of course i've seen a lot of those old games uh and you can see the old black and white games uh and uh, George Armstrong was a Havel hockey player. I mean, I, and you know, we know about you know that the, there were not too many Aboriginals playing professional hockey at that time, and which is why they called him the chief. Uh, but uh, he was a contributor to those those Stanley Cup champion teams, some great Leaf teams.
1: He was oh, he was way more than a contributor. Uh, you know, he was he was the guy who. Uh, and you're right. I, I was not even alive, Bill. I hadn't been born yet when the Leafs last won their last Stanley Cup. So. Uh, so uh,
0: by the way, from, to your point, I, I don't want to interrupt your point here. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the other things about George Armstrong. He was the last Toronto Maple Leaf to hoist the Stanley Cup.
1: And did he not score? He scored the, the goal in the end. Yes, net, he did. He had the winning goal against last Montreal goal. that year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not speaking from experience as someone who watched him play, but as you. You know, as the years have gone by, one of the things that stands out, and it's kind of sad for Leaf fans, I mean, they've had some great captains in recent years. I mean, Matt Sundin was a great captain, and Wendell Clark was a great captain, and Daryl Sittler was a great captain, and Doug Gilmore, for a brief time, was a great captain. But, you know, you're talking about an organization where when you start to think of who was the greatest captain of all, um, you know, I I think that it probably comes down to a toss-up between Silaps and George Armstrong. And you're getting way back, as you say, into the black and white era when, you know, when the, the two guys that I, I would think would be the legitimate contenders for that title were playing. And, um, you know, and, and back then you can make a case. I mean, the, the, we were just talking about the differences in baseball with, between, um, you know, eras and and how hitting a ball has changed and specialists and everything. Well, geez, hockey has changed unbelievably since the days when george armstrong played when you were you know original six and you were often taking a train or you were you know playing the same guys over and over and yeah i know that the players were not as big and as fast and as strong and the equipment wasn't the same but we're already seeing with this canadian division this year when you play the same team over and over the 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 hatred you know the 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 frustration with the guys you're seeing over and over. He had to deal with that all the time. Um, You know, there's a lot to say about him, not just as a leader, and a lot of people have said a lot about him as a leader appropriately, but there was a lot to say about him as a great, great player for the Leafs too
0: arguably on the best line on that team too and I mean this is a team that had Red Kelly, Frank Mahavlich and some ro- young Ron Ellis back in those days but Duff Keon and Armstrong uh, was the go-to line and uh, you know they were just incredible hockey players and great chemistry together too uh, for many many years and uh, uh, it's interesting to note as well that uh, if I recall my leaf history of all the books I've read about uh, those glory days uh, you didn't most teams did not select their captains back then the management usually appointed one and they appointed George Armstrong because of the chemistry and the respect that the rest of the team had for him. And uh, it was pretty tough being a captain of a hockey team back then, because this is before the Players Association. Uh, mm. And uh, there were some pretty rugged general managers, Punch like being one of them. Uh, and you know we've heard Don Cherry talk about his uh, days in Eddie with Eddie Shore too. I mean they were sending them up and down. You could find some. I mean, even I could find somebody because they thought they were dragging their tail sometime, and they couldn't do anything about it. And Armstrong was the go-between between the players and and a, and a, a, a great coaching punch him like, but not a real people person. Uh, yeah. And that was a, that was a job <laughs> in and of itself.
1: Yes, Punch Imlac was the Julie Payette of his day. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think irascible would be a good word for yeah. Punch Imlac, and maybe not even that, so that's not even strong enough. But no, you're right, because you then become the liaison and have to talk Punch Black down at times and defend your players and, and you know make sure that, things are, that there's some sort of harmony on the team. And again, uh, remember, we're talking about how things have changed. Back in the day, back when Punch Black was coaching, there weren't assistant coaches, there weren't video coaches, there weren't team psychologists, there weren't all... The, if you had an issue, that coach had all the power. Had all the power and all the decision-making. It was him alone on the bench. I mean, nowadays, what's stunning is nowadays, in kids-type house league, there's more than one coach on the bench. Yeah. And back then in the NHL, there was one guy who got to do everything. And that was who... And, and when you got a guy who can be difficult like Punch Jim Black was, that's the guy George Armstrong has to contend with and fight for his guys and not and not end up as the guy that Punch Jim Black then decides to take it out on. And that was a that is a remarkable ability and a remarkable skill that he was able to navigate those waters and do it in a way that we still today, even though he's just passed but even up until the end, still think of him in such glowing reverential terms that he was the guy who was able to do that kind of thing and you know there have been great captains in the in the nhl over the years but boy oh boy from that perspective alone he's in the elite of the elite category
0: i I know we're out of time but just as a postscript to this whole thing as we talked about with aaron too uh I didn't know George Armstrong obviously when he played. I was just a kid. Uh, got got to know him, meet him a lot later on when I was doing some uh, junior A hockey down St. Catharines Way when I was just a young buck. Uh, and George was a scout for the Leafs at one point, and eventually coached the uh, the Toronto Marlies, correct, um, and uh, very successfully too, I might add. But a real gentleman, just a very very nice guy that always treated everybody with uh, with respect. And uh, a great loss. Uh, and but, but Leaf lore and Leaf history. Uh, you know, the last captain to to hoist the Stanley Cup, and who knows when the next
1: time is going to be, right? Well, it took the Cubs, what, 108 years? So we've still got another half century before ah, the panic time.
0: There you go. Scott, <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this. Thanks, Bill. Scott Riley, of course, host of the Scott Riley Show on CHML and uh, columnist when the Hamilton Spectator, of course, on a Monday to Friday basis.
1: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon
0: on 900 CHML.